if the book is successful, then it's not needed in the future because we don't need a progressive case for Bitcoin in a perfect world. People feel comfortable learning and understanding and welcomed into a community with, without having needing this resource. So that's the goal. Hello there. How are you all doing? You had a good weekend. It's nice and sunny here in Bedford. The summer's coming. Had a chance to chill out, which is cool. Also, I'm going to be heading out to Prague this week. We've got BTC Prague. Hopefully some of you will be out there, get a chance to hang out. It's so cool that's happened so soon after Miami. It's great to keep going out to these events and meeting new Bitcoiners. Also, if you haven't checked it out, if you're in Australia, we've got our first event. I'm going to be heading down under for the first time ever. Going to be heading to Sydney, September the 9th. We're going to have a live event. If you want to get a ticket to that, please head over to whatbitcoindid.com and click on WBD Live. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by RS Energy, the largest NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin miner using 100% renewable energy. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today we've got Jason Meyer back on the pod. Now, I know you've heard me talk about Jason before. We had him on the show about a year ago because he reached out to me. He told me I was working on a book, A Progressive Case for Bitcoin. And at the time, me and Danny had been talking about the fact that there is this need to talk to progressives in the language they understand. We have plenty of literature out there for general Bitcoin information. We have plenty out there for conservative ideas, for libertarians. But within growing rhetoric against Bitcoin from progressive media and progressive politicians, it was about time someone out there made a book for them. And Jason did that. And I'm super proud of him for doing that. If you haven't checked out the book, there will be a link in the show notes. Please do go and check it out. I also wrote the forward, which is very cool. I've never done this before. So it's kind of cool that Jason asked me. Hopefully you get a chance to read that and let me know what you think. Anyway, if you've got any questions about this or anything else, you know what to do. You hit me up on my email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Jason Meyer, how are you, man? Very good. Very good. Wow. What, what, how long has it been? A year? Nearly. I think it was about June time last year, maybe. Yeah, July, yeah. yeah, almost a year. 11 months. About a year since you emailed me? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I emailed you in June last year. Wow. So, yeah. Happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> what a year it's been for you, mate. Well done. It's been the weirdest year of my life, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> a progressive case for Bitcoin. You got your book out. I mean, I'm sure it has been a weird year. I want to find out all about it. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy the conference? I did. I had a lot of fun. Uh, there's so many people I got to meet in person uh, who have only met, you know, online or through interviews. So uh, just being able to sort of be there and feel that energy was awesome. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was great. Are people recognizing you? Yeah. So <laughs> uh, not as many as you, but I think that it was weird. It was a weird experience for me to sort of have somebody call out, you know, every so often like, hey, Jason, and then want to talk to me and not used to that at all. So it was a new Ask experience. for a photo? Oh yeah, plenty. Plenty yeah. of photos, plenty of like handshakes and smiles and stuff. So it was awesome. Yeah. I, you know, just people who know me and have heard of the book and appreciate what I'm doing. So it was, uh, it was actually kind of nice. It, it's a really nice humbling experience sure to go through. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm so happy for you. Uh, selfishly a little bit happy for you. <laughs> just, just to, just to see it happen, to see, you know, you drop an email, yeah. you write a book, yeah. you speak at conferences, <laughs> you, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. Okay, uh, where do I even want to start with this? Uh, what's the weirdest thing that's happened to you? 
weirdest um, moment you're yeah, in. You're I, like, I think the, the weirdest the weirdest moment. Um, I went to a, a like a, a more local Bitcoin meetup, um, and it was my first sort of time out in public. That it wasn't designed like I was going to speak at this event, but I just wanted to go and meet people. Uh, so I went up uh, where I'm from. I'm in Connecticut. There's nothing going on, so I drove up to Massachusetts for the day. Um, figured out, all right, I'm going to go there and, and just have some drinks and meet people. Um, and then there's sort of people in the like kind of pointing at me and you know like and then people want to come up and I you know had a great experience met a lot of awesome people of course bitcoiners are awesome in general um and you know bought me a beer and kind of take a photo with you and all that so uh that was that was weird at that moment for sure it was the first time anything like that ever happened got home told my wife like somebody asked to take a photo with me and she's like oh jesus <laughs> I know that's, you know. <laughs> she, she rolled her eyes she's like what, what am i going to deal with uh but yeah that was the weirdest moment it's like the first time somebody recognized me out in public um and asked to take a photo with me and, and engage me about the book and about the project and and all of that so are you on sabbatical or are you taking sabbatical so yeah so the uh i'm a so i'm a high school math teacher the my academic year is going to be done in two weeks so i've been teaching sort of full like my full-time teaching job ends in a couple of weeks we have graduation final exams and i'm off the school has been very gracious to say, you know, I have a one-year sabbatical, uh, promote the book, travel around, do interviews, uh, just educate people about Bitcoin, even if it's sort of an apolitical, like, here's the basics. There's a huge demand for that. So I'll have a full year to just, you know, talk to people about the book, talk to people about Bitcoin and educate people. So... And that's obviously very exciting. It's huge. It's a huge, I mean, it's a, it's an honor to get a sabbatical. Um, it's an honor that that my school recognized, even if they don't fully like buy into like Bitcoin as a thing right now, like they recognize that I'm doing like good work and trying to educate people about something that's complicated and, and hard to learn. So. so when you say they don't fully buy into it, is it specific people? Is it you, who you're reporting uh, yeah. line? I mean, I think my boss, like my boss and my boss's boss are like, hey, it's awesome that you wrote a book, like happy to support it. Like it looks like you're doing good work. Um you know, but they're, they're not like Bitcoiners, right? They're, they're not supporting me with a sabbatical because they're in a Bitcoin. I tried to explain like, oh, I'm going down and I'm talking to this guy named Peter McCormick. And, uh, you know, this is kind of a big deal. And, and my boss is like, who's that? And why is there a pirate flag? Uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just like explaining and just trying to... Um, a lot of people in my normal life, um, you know, don't necessarily understand like, the attention that the book has gotten in the Bitcoin space, which is great um, because it allows me to live a normal life <laughs> day to day. Um, but it, it's been an interesting dynamic where at, now that the book is out, people are starting to come around and say, oh, wow, this is actually like a thing. And uh, you are getting a lot of attention and, and stuff like that. So have you tried to orange pill them? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I, I think that I've offered um, a couple of different speaking opportunities at the school where I work, say come here and learn about, um, you know, sort of neocolonialism and Bitcoin's response to it. Uh, people came out to, for that. They wanted to learn. Um, next week, I'm offering Bitcoin basics sort of apolitical, like just learn about Bitcoin. I've like 30 or 40 people signed up to come to that. That's just all in my school. So I've gotten a, a lot of people just sort of peaked and intrigued, um, wanting to learn more, uh, viewing things from a different angle. Uh, I think that the a lot of sort of normies out there just don't understand how unfair the current system is. And so by being able to explain it through a Bitcoin lens, uh, totally new to them. And they're like, 
a, a good number of them are like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. And the, then they want to learn more. They want to engage with it. So Kids as well? Yeah. So my students my students are all in on asking me about Bitcoin. Okay. Uh, <laughs> for, you know, it, the, it's, so I teach 9 through 12, uh, mostly the, some what, of the What old, ages is that? Uh, so it's about 13 to 18. Okay. Yeah. So like a, a good range, a formative years. Um, and about a year ago, they knew I was writing this book and, you know, they, okay, that's kind of exciting. And uh, Mr. Mayor, he likes Bitcoin. So if we ask him about Bitcoin, he'll just talk about it. And then if he talks about it for the whole period, then he's not going to give us homework um, because we didn't learn the stuff we we're supposed to learn. Uh, so let's just ask him about Bitcoin. And those conversations were usually like, how can I get rich? Right. It's like a 15 year old. How can I get rich with Bitcoin? Um, and then slowly, gradually I've tried to change the narrative like this isn't about getting rich it's about changing the world it's about making the world a better place um, and it's not about sort of like getting out of homework they're asked they're actually asking like really good questions you know I think I was with a student the other day and uh, he's just had really good questions about sort of monetary policy and he he understands on some level it's set by these people um, and that seems comfortable, but like, what if it's this, it's this algorithm? He's just asking really deep questions about the process and answered all of his questions, tried to be as sort of neutral as possible. I can't really like sell Bitcoin to my, my kids, my students, but tried to just answer the questions as best that I could. And he, he just had this moment, he got quiet. This is like a 16 year old, 17 year old kid. And he's like, if what you're saying is true, this has massive implications for the world. Oh, I love this kid. And, and I was like, and I was like, yes. And what I'm saying is true. <laughs> like, yeah. And he's like, and I mean, like everything, you know. So it's like, it's like, it's like this kids are making that kind of connection. Whereas, like, 12 months ago, it was like, how can I get out of math homework and how can I just get rich? Because that's all I care about. I just want to invest money, make more dollars, uh, and then you know, not have to work for it. Um, and just slowly try to disabuse them of that notion. Like, this is not about making more U.S. dollars. It's about changing what money is and using a new technology to make the world a better place. Uh, those conversations have gotten a lot better with, with colleagues and with students. So I can't stop going down the AI rabbit hole at the moment. Yeah. And I've been in the workplace for 25, 30, is it 25 years? Whatever the number of years are, 25 years-ish. Mm -hmm. But like, I've, we're similar age. Yeah, we are. You remember a pre-internet era? I do. So, you yeah. know, we lived through the internet coming. We've lived we through do. Bitcoin coming. There's lots of fads and things that come. I know that AI is going to have a profound impact on the world. Yeah. And so you as a math teacher, yeah. teaching kids 13 to 18, mm -hmm. I think for the large percentage of that class, by now they've learned everything they're going to use in math for the rest of their life. You're now onto the things whereby there may be needs for specialisms from some form of yeah. engineering, whatever. But right. And where I'm actually going with this is that I could put up a strong thesis and a strong argument that you teaching them about Bitcoin in a math class mm -hmm. is more important than teaching about the math they should be yeah. learning at this yeah. moment. And the thing, the question I keep coming back to at the moment, I've had a couple of conversations here. Um, I don't think the world of schooling, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think it's behind for, been behind for a long time, setting kids up for you know, future jobs, yeah, future yeah. workplaces. Now more than ever, I'm looking and going, I'm hugely questioning what my daughter's going to do for the next five years in school and mm -hmm. whether the majority of it is going to be a complete waste of time. Yeah. And actually, I should be completely rethinking her education mm -hmm. 
and perhaps sending her. There are specialist schools, like a special of creative schools, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, coming up with real strong skills that may play a role, mm-hmm. more of a role in her life. I don't know what you're thinking as a teacher. I mean, how, are yeah. teachers talking about AI? Yeah. I'm not, I know I'm going down a no, 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 that's different fine. rabbit uh, hole here, but I, and I'm happy to talk about teaching too. Like the what what I find fascinating is you're on. Yeah, so I'm on Bitcoin Twitter and I'm listening to people talk about it and like they're all right, they're talking about AI and chat GPT uh, and what are the implications, what are the uses, what are the dangers. Uh, months later, teachers get wind of it, you know, <laughs> like the people I work with and, and they're thinking about it completely from the wrong direction, 100 percent, where they're just worried about kids cheating. Yeah. I was like, you idiots need to realize that this is your job, right? Like this is not about a kid cheating on an essay. This is about you no longer having a job being a teacher. Like this is what you need to be thinking about. Right. So and, and try to drill home get past like, oh, this kid cheated on this math test or this English essay, right? This is actually about something much bigger. Um, And, you know, I think that, so we're talking about it. The conversation's just starting. Um, And I have a lot to say about the idea of like, what what is math education and what's useful and what's important for kids to learn? And you're saying like, all right, by the time you're maybe, you know, 15, you've learned all the math that you need. Um, maybe that, earlier, maybe earlier. And that, that's true for some percentage of the population maybe even a large part. Um, but there's still, there's pretty complicated math that goes into AI. And if you want to make AI, then you need to understand the complicated math, right? Oh, of course. Um, and there's pretty interesting and complicated math in Bitcoin. So if you want to really understand Bitcoin, then you should probably know the math. Um, but it's, it's, it's almost a discrepancy where people, if you're good at being a math teacher. It's not about the content. It's about a way of thinking. It's about being critical, finding patterns, recognizing what truth is, uh, recognizing how you can explain yourself in a way that is um, logical. And um, and you can make a persuasive argument. Like all of those things are within math teaching too, right? So, and those things don't go away. Like the, in fact, they're more important to understand how can I be skeptical of information that I'm getting? How can I display data that I have? How can I make a calculation to confirm something being told to me? How can I do a back of the envelope, like understanding like, oh, this number that somebody's telling me seems way off. Those are all very important skills. And it's not just about sort of the content acquisition. It's like the soft skills. How do you collaborate with somebody on a mathematical project? How do you actually communicate your ideas in an effective way? That's what I'm doing in my classroom. That's what I'm trying to do. And that's all my colleagues are doing that too. So it's it's not just, oh, do you know how to take a derivative or do you know how to solve this equation? Like that's part of it. Um, and it's it, you think of it as building blocks for a way of thinking as opposed to uh, this is just I'm here and I this isn't, you know, I'll never use this again. Well, if you want to be a person who thinks logically and, and like concretely and can solve problems, then you're going to need math and you need to train your brain to think that way. It's not just about like nobody remembers the math that they learned in high school, right? <laughs> like very few people like me and, and people who do it for you know, a living. But it's, it's a way of thinking and I think that's an important way to think about it. D- define cheating. <laughs> well, we, have, we went through all of this rigmarole to come up with a new policy. Like you're allowed to use chat GPT if the teacher says you can and you cite it. I think anytime you're, you're using, you're, you're submitting work that was somebody else's and you're not giving them credit but that's cheating. And we had to rewrite our rules uh, page to, to include like AI with that, right? So if you're trying to pass off a certain kind of work as your own, then that's, that's cheating. So. Hmm. 
if my daughter came to me and she said, Dad, I just got an A in my English essay yeah. and I use ChatGPT to write the majority of it, yeah. I think I'd be proud. I'd, <laughs> I'd be, because what I'd be thinking is, you've learned a, a productivity gain yeah. that gives you an advantage over everybody else to improve the quality of your work. And the reason I say that is, I've said on the show a lot, a lot of times, we're using AI now. Yeah. I, um, I, did you see the, um, the Rail Bedford strategy I put out? The strategy? Yeah, like the multiple slides for our strategy for next season. No, so I put it no, out no. on Twitter. It's like okay. a 25-slide deck. Okay. I used ChatGBT to structure yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that gave me one a productivity gain, but also an intelligence gain. Sure. And so... I see it slightly differently. That's just me. No, I mean, well, it's interesting. I mean, you th people have been using computers and uh, machines to make their life easy for a very long time, right? There's mm. nothing new about that. Um, it's just uh, a matter of well, what, what's being tested and what what do you what skills are you trying to to assess? Um, if if it is writing on your own or coming up with a persuasive argument, then. Um, you know, there might be a, a place for using AI to help you with that in the real world or uh, in your job or whatever, like that's, that's happening. There's no doubt about it. So I think the way teachers are thinking about what's cheating and what's productive use and what's more efficient is all in flex, right? Like it's, it's absolutely like as a math teacher, like kids have calculators, right? And there are plenty of times when the questions I'm asking, it doesn't matter if they have a calculator or not. They have to be thoughtful and creative and come up with a way to solve the problem. It doesn't matter if they have that machine in front of them. Uh, other times, like I'm dealing with a younger student and they need to have some number sense and they need to be able to do a computation. And I take the calculator away and say, well, I'm testing a different skill right now. And so it's just a matter of like, how do you want to leverage the technology? What are you trying to assess? And what are the real world skills that you're building? Like using AI to do your job is going to be part of the future. So like it would be a misstep for us to eliminate it completely from education. And do you think your schools had taken quite a progressive approach to accepting AI, considering AI, or, or is this just happening everywhere? I, from my, my sense is that it, our school's approach seems consistent with other peer schools and, and other places. Now, uh, you know, I can't speak for all schools, but I think that there, there needs to be a balance between understanding um, what you can enforce, what are, what are the goals you're trying to get at, and like how can you actually leverage like real intelligent use of these tools. Um, and I think that's what we've been trying to highlight, right? It's not like you can just plug something into chat GPT and expect it to be good no matter what. You need to actually ask it good questions or you need to hone what it's giving you. You need to validate the information you're getting. Uh, so just the thoughtful, intelligent use of the tool. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And you, so you actually think there's a genuine threat to the teaching profession? I think that if teachers are focused on my students are going to cheat with this exclusively and they're not thinking about what's my role 15, 20 years from now or 10 years from now, then there could be a threat. I, th I think that good teachers are not going to Good teachers are not going to get replaced. If you're teaching your students how to think critically, how to solve problems that are real-world problems, how to be creative, um, then there's no danger to your job. Like you're going to have a job, um, and if that's through the lens of teaching them math or through the lens of teaching them Spanish or English, like 
you'll have a job. People are going to want to, you know, send their kids to human beings to learn those kinds of skills. If it's like, you know, we all have the internet in our pocket, right? So like, you don't need to teach them these facts anymore. Like what, how many U.S. Supreme Court justices are there? Well, like, I don't need to know that necessarily, right? I have that in my hand. Any other fact you can pull, what you need to learn is communication skills, critical thinking, problem solving. And I keep saying it, but that's that's really what we need, right? So, so do you think there needs to be a rethink of curriculums? Yes. The entire structure of schooling? Yes. Yeah, I think your specialist schools make sense, right, in the future. Uh, you You have a desire to do something and you're interested in it, there's no reason you need to be sitting for one hour in this classroom and moving one hour to that classroom and then learning different things necessarily. Like it's important to have a wide range of like basic knowledge and, and ways to think. Um, but to specialize in something that a vocation or an interest that you have is absolutely a, a thing I can see in the near future, right? I just broke your pen. That's all right. I you feel know, terrible. Don't, I brought two. I don't know how many books I had to sign, so I brought two of those orange pens, and I got it free from my work, so it's okay. Okay, so don't feel so bad. Would <laughs> you, you can uh, keep it? <laughs> <laughs> would you? Would you? Uh, would you have Bitcoin in the curriculum, or would you have economics in the curriculum earlier, or money? Would you? Yeah, I would. would yeah, I think. Um, I, I think almost nobody talks about money, right? And I think almost nobody understands what it is, um, how it works. So I think that it's, and, and I'm not talking about like a financial literacy course in high school that teaches you how to like balance your checkbook or pay your taxes. Like we do not teach money in schools. Like how does the Fed work? How does the central uh, bank work? How does the treasury work? Like these things are not taught and they're not taught for a reason. We know that. Um, so absolutely, I would have uh, Bitcoin, uh, dis general discussion of money, what money is, uh, general discussion of the legacy financial system within a curriculum. I've been asked multiple times to provide that in my school, not by my bosses, right? By people who are like, hey, you should actually teach this. Um, and there's a demand for it, right? Like um, there's a demand to learn more about it because every time I explain something about, um, you know, this is how the Fed works or this is what's happening at the IMF or this is how money gets censored or, censored or siphoned away from people in developing nations. Like people are shocked. Like, they don't understand like that, that these are real problems in the world. So, yeah, I think that there should be a place for uh, Bitcoin specifically and then just generally money and financial systems within our education system. It's, it's critically important. I, I don't know what's involved to do this, but have you considered moving beyond high school education to maybe becoming a university university professor so you could focus yeah. on math money bitcoin etc yeah i mean i originally went to i went to grad school to get my phd in math and i was like almost done before i decided that i was going to go and teach high school uh, math that was my high school teaching high school math was like my original goal um i did well in university i was able to like get a scholarship to go get a PhD in math, realize I was not in love with it, right? Like, okay. so in order to get, in order to teach at the university level, you have to finish your PhD and I didn't quite finish mine. So um, I think that the benefit that I have, I, I happen to work at a really well-resourced school that is obviously open to me trying new things. So um, if I can write a curriculum, if I can sort of um, push a narrative to say, th this is what's important and this is what we should be focusing on, um, then I think I have... I probably have enough leeway to do that within my current institution. And I'm lucky to say that, right? 
I think that not just my boss, but like my head of school sat down and he and I had a conversation about this book. I handed him a copy and he was like thrilled that it touched on so many interdisciplinary things. It's not just math. It's not just computer science. It's not just economics. It touches on everything. Um, and he was excited to get me in front of, uh, you know, parents, students, teachers, alums, um, and wants to help me do that. So I think I'm at a very supportive institution right now, yeah. so I'm happy. <laughs> and you love being a high school teacher, right? I do, I do. And that's, like I said, that was my dream from the very beginning. Like, I think I decided I wanted to be a high school math teacher um, when I was in, like, seventh grade. Right. Like, that was the dream. And um, I mentioned that people chuckle. Like, oh, it was your high, it was like your childhood dream to be a math teacher. Like, what a loser. <laughs> it's like, no, it's true. It, it really was. Like, Fuck those people. Well, you know, I, I think on. that, you know, when somebody thinks you're joking, but then they're the only one laughing. I'm like, no, I'm being serious. Like, I wanted to be a high school math teacher forever. And I love it. I, I do love my job. I love working with the students in the classroom. I like the, my colleagues. So I wouldn't want to change that necessarily. Um, but I do... I do think there's a place for Bitcoin conversations within that, within that sort of schematic. And, um, you know, I'm, during my sabbatical, I, I applied to actually teach like a continuing education class about Bitcoin in a town next to mine. So like I'm going to go up twice a week, you know, drive up to the next town and teach people who are just like adult learners, like who want to learn about Bitcoin. So there's opportunities for me to just get the message out in other mm -hmm. ways, too. So start yeah. a meetup where you are. Yeah, yeah. You should definitely do that. I'm trying, I, I, I'm considering it. Obviously the book has been put out. So like, you know, I've been busy, but there's, um, there's a handful of people near me who I think would really appreciate it. It yeah. always starts as a handful of people. That's, that's right. That's each, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, some guy was telling me his first one, two people turned up. Yeah. And, you, and then he said five people turned up and then it was 10 and now they're at like yeah. 20. Yeah. And I was like, that's how it starts. I yeah. mean, we've seen those videos of Andreas Antonopoulos at, a conference presenting the most incredible high-level Bitcoin content to seven people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that happens, but... Right. Well, my, my first Bitcoin meetup in that sense is like me and my friend, like we got together and we would make ourselves a nice mixed drink and we would put on your podcast, Bitcoin for Beginners. That's how we started our journey. Because this guy was like, we should just keep learning about it. And so like there's, play, there's people near me who are into the idea and would probably support a meetup. So... Um, yeah, I mean, my, and my wife was supportive of that. She's like, you need to have a, a meetup like in our town. You know that, right? I was like, yeah, I know. I do. <laughs> so she we just wants you to stop talking to her about it. <laughs> <laughs> Get you out of the house. Yeah. I mean, I, we've, I mean, she and I have had probably my best Bitcoin conversations I've ever had have been with my wife. She's, uh, she's smart and interested and, and looks at things from a different angle as me. So she's never gotten to the point where she's told me to shut up about it yet. Um, but maybe she does want to get me out of the house and talking to new people. <laughs> and she got to the point where she's starting the conversation about it sometimes. Oh yeah. So, so she's, she goes out and starts conversations with people. And I think it's easy or because she has this in, right? So, Oh, my husband, wrote this book and this is what it's about. And, and some people are dismissive to, to that, right. Or whatever, but then every once in a while she'll get somebody who's like interested. And then she, she can answer questions too. Like, well, what about this? And what about this? I heard that it's bad for the environment and she can speak to that. And then, um, and it does a very good job of it. And then one day I got this text and I was like, Hey, I'm with so-and-so, um, we're at the gym. We've been talking for 20 minutes 
He's starting to ask me questions that I can't answer. You need to come over. <laughs> so, so I, like, I left the apartment, went to the gym, met the guy. You know, he had a lot of great questions, and we got to talking about it. Um, so she's out there. She's spreading the word. I mean, she's, um, you know, she has business cards from my book and hands them to everybody that that will take one. So she's she's all over it. Well, this is why Bitcoin continues to grow and be so successful because we have an army of people happy to recruit one person at a time. Yeah, yeah, for real. You know, uh, but. But you're not going to do that. You're going to recruit tens, hundreds, thousands, maybe many more through your book, through the meetup you're doing. And so it's this kind of organic, it's like, I don't want to say a plague, but it's this organic system that continues to grow and yeah. through all these different projects that people are doing. I mean, it's wild this year at the conference, even though there was less people, you're aware of more projects or things that people yeah. are up to that are orange pilling people. And the truth is, is that, if you sit down with somebody and they've got questions regarding things that your book covers yeah. and you can't convince them, it means that they're not ready to hear them. Right. Because yeah. I, I, I haven't yet heard, I mean, I think there are arguments against Bitcoin, mm -hmm. but there aren't good arguments against Bitcoin and yeah. certainly aren't net good arguments against Bitcoin. Right. I mean, and there, there are concerns, right? There's things that we need to be cautious of or things uh, at the protocol level that we need to educate ourselves on always. Um, but you're right. I, you know, I said to a colleague once, um, and I put this anecdote in the book too, which is, you know, she was saying, oh, uh, uh, you're, you're into Bitcoin, right? Because she saw this little poster above my desk. And uh, a year ago, she laughed because she, like I mentioned, that I was going to work some extra hours over the summer and I was going to buy Bitcoin with it. And again, she laughed at that. So a year later, she came to me and said, oh, you're into Bitcoin, right? And I said, yeah, well, and we got to talk. And I said, you don't know anybody intelligent who's studied Bitcoin for 100 hours and thinks it's a bad idea. Like you just don't. And she said, oh, so you're saying that I should buy Bitcoin. I said, no, I'm saying you should study Bitcoin for a hundred hours. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like just learn, learn about it. Uh, you're not, you, you know, there are arguments against it, but there, like you said, there aren't good ones and there aren't ones that, that are a ne negative. Like this is a way to improve the world and help people. Um, so yeah, I think the, the message is to just keep learning and educating. I think that the book is one way to do that. Um, having conversations with people is super important and just being open to meeting people where they are. That was the motivation behind the book, like meet people where they are, help them learn, um, care about teaching them about Bitcoin. And if they're wrong about Bitcoin, focus on that. Don't focus on all of the other things that you care about that, that you think they're wrong on. You don't need to convince them of those things before you convince them that Bitcoin is good. This show is brought to you by Ledin. From savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of their holdings today without selling their Bitcoin. Ledin has a robust risk management strategy and always prioritizes safeguarding clients' assets with no DeFi yield farming. And Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They are also dedicated to transparency and are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation, which they re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. And not only is Ledin a sponsor, I am also a customer of theirs. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to ledin.io, which is L-E-D-N.io. Next up today, we have Incogni. 
Now, data breaches happen all the time, and data brokers collect your personal information and or sell it to other companies with just a few clicks of the mouse. Incogni helps you take control of your data again. They reach out to data brokers on your behalf, request your personal data removal, and deals with any objections from their side. Now, many data brokers collect your personal information again after some time, so Incogni take care that your data stays off the market by conducting repeated ongoing removals. Now, you can request your privacy in three easy steps. You create an account and tell them whose personal data they'll be removing. You grant Incogni the right to work with you, and that's it. They handle any objections from data brokers and keep you updated on the progress every step of the way. Now, I've just signed up and I have 60 requests now sat with data brokers to remove my details and it only cost me £75. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to incogni.com forward slash Peter and you will get a 30-day money-back guarantee. That is I-N-C-O-G-N-I.com forward slash Peter. Next up, we have Ledger. Now, Ledger is the world's leader in Bitcoin security, and it's the best way for you to own and secure your private keys. If you are still holding Bitcoin on an exchange or with a custodian, it might be time for you to take your Bitcoin security a little more seriously, because remember, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Now, Ledger hardware wallets paired with the Ledger Live app are the easiest and safest way for you to start managing your private keys. You can send and sign your Bitcoin transactions with full transparency in the Ledger Live app, and honestly, it couldn't be easier. I've been a Ledger customer since 2017, and I'm still using the same Nano S I bought back then. Now, if you want to find out more or purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P dot L-E-D-G-E-R dot com. Also today, we have Iris Energy. Now, Iris is the largest NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin miner using 100% renewable energy. Their strategy is to target markets with low-cost, excess renewable energy, and they build their own highly efficient Bitcoin data centers. They are led by a seasoned management team with a track record of success across renewables, infrastructure, and digital assets. And Danny and I met them recently in Canada and were super impressed with Iris Energy and their values, which align with us, so they're a great fit for what Bitcoin did in you, the listeners. Now, we are going to be working with Iris Energy on everything from the podcast to films to live events, and they're either sponsoring my football team, Rail Bedford. So we're really happy to be working with such a forward-thinking and sustainable Bitcoin mining company. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to irisenergy.co, which is I-R-I-S-E-N-E-R-G-Y.co. Amazing. Well, let's talk about the book. Sure. Not everyone listening would have heard our previous interview, although sure. I would encourage them to go back and check it out. Yeah. It did do very well. Mm. Um, but I think because there has been this bubbling uh, movement of progressives into Bitcoin, yeah. my argument's always been the same. It's it's the most important book written for conservatives about Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. I stand by that argument. But um, mm-hmm. just give people a bit of a TLDR, a bit of a reminder of why you decided to write this book, what the spark was. Yeah. So um, if if we go back, the uh, like I I know that this is true because I have a Google Doc where I created it. Um, and I said, oh, we. I said to my buddy, we should write a book um, about this because there's nothing in the space that addresses this, right? Like it, we we need to write a book. So I started that Google Doc September of 2021. Uh, at the time I was still head of my math department. So my work, like my fiat job was just like all consuming, didn't have time to actually like write a book. So I spent a long time just sort of thinking and, and doing bullet points and learning and reading as much as I could. 
quickly became like the buddy of mine I offer. He said, oh yeah, let's, let's write a book together. And then it became clear that I need to write this book by myself because this guy's pretty awesome, but he's not going to, you know, he's just not, he's going to be a super support for me. And he actually was the first person to edit it for me, but uh, right. you know, he was not into writing a book with me. So I wrote the book. The motivation is interesting, right? It's called a progressive case for Bitcoin. And it, it, it's very clear to me, and maybe I hope, hopefully your audience will, will hear this. I did not write the book because I was trying to learn about Bitcoin and I was offended like as a progressive person, right? I was not like on a political level, like, oh my God, like this is horrible. Something has to be done. I wrote the book because I'm a teacher and I know that it is impossible to teach somebody a complicated, difficult concept if they're not comfortable. So I've been in a math classroom for my whole career teaching people mathematics uh, they don't want to learn. And if they're not comfortable or they don't feel safe or they're afraid of it, they're not going to learn from you. You cannot do it. And so when I looked at the resources that were out there and saying, all right, well, there seems to be a lot of name calling, a lot of assumptions about people on the left, a lot of rude sort of comments and assumptions going out there. People will not learn if that's the environment they're walking into. Um, they just are going to dismiss it, refuse to. And uh, and my instinct is always to help teach people, educate people, help them learn. And I realized it was not possible in the environment that we had at the time. At that time, when I created that Google Doc, uh, Troy Cross had not been on your show. Margot Pias had not been on your show. Alex Gladstein's first book, Check Your Financial Privilege, had not come out. Like It was as if I was sort of swimming in this void alone, or it seemed like I was alone. And it was only sort of during the process of writing the book that I got to meet those people. All of a sudden, I remember being on the treadmill, and all of a sudden, there's like Margo Paez. And I was like, holy shit, like there's there's somebody else. Right. So like I got, you know, like I, I, through the course of writing the book, I got to meet people that there is a community, like it is growing. It is important to have different voices. Um, but when I started that Google doc to write a book, which I never thought I'd actually finish, um, none of that existed in my mind, right? Like that, that world wasn't there. So I was trying to fill a void and I think there is still a void to be filled. Um, and that, that was the environment of starting the book was like, hey, there's nothing out there like this and I need to do what I can, right? What, what skills do I have to bring to the table to help? So that's that was the idea behind the book. Well, we recognized it at the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Alex is great. We're yeah. huge fans of Alex Gladstein. I love Same. the guy. I think he, he's a great person. <laughs> yep. We've had Anita Posh on the show. Uh, mm -hmm. um, but But what was happening is when we would have some like Anita on the show, you would see the YouTube comments mm -hmm. and it would be very critical of the left. Yes. Very, very critical of the left. A lot of people have to go at her. And then people would be writing us saying, you know, accusing me of being a woke lefty liberal or whatever, yeah. Which, yeah. which I'm clearly not to anyone with an intelligent brain. Sure. Um, but that I'd even reply to them and say, okay, let's, let's go through our shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> libertarian, libertarian, right. from the right, libertarian, from the right, maybe centrist, like, oh, one from the left. It would be like one in 20 interviews would perhaps right. be someone from the left. Yeah. And so we recognize that 
if we didn't help and support a push from the left, even though, by the way, let's just put it out there, Bitcoin is politically neutral. Correct. It's a politically neutral tool. Yes. But you have to meet people where they are to help them explain things. And yes. I think by doing that, you bring people together. Right. But anyway, we recognize that. So me and Danny just made this conscious decision. We're going to try and support and bring... Well, I mean, we put it out there publicly. Anyone from the left wants to come on the show, let us know. We'll fly in. We did a whole bunch of shows. Yeah. Then obviously we heard from you as well. I can't, and I can't remember the order of things. Sure. But we knew this was a really important problem to solve because it was self-defeating for people who are conservative to almost only see the conservative arguments for Bitcoin. Right. Because, like, I think it was you who said to me is, Elizabeth Warren won't be convinced yeah. by a Texas Republican why Bitcoin is good. No. But she might be convinced by Jason Mayer. Right. Or her staffers might be. Exactly. And so we knew yeah. it was important thing for us to become part of. And, mm -hmm. you know, we were so fortunate that Alex has been doing a great job. You decided to write a book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Troy decided to start, you know, becoming public. Margot yes. uh, came, you know, came. Oh, and everybody else. It was, yeah. I think, it was, just, it was just this thing bubbling up around us. But I think it's been great. And I think it's, I think it's working. And you, I, I find two types of people um, who don't agree with me politically, right? There, there are people who do not agree with me politically. They say, all right, I'm, I'm right. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm libertarian. But what I think you're doing, I think what you're doing is great uh, for the space. Um, and then there's the people who are just sort of like, Go I, fuck yourself. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, the, I went on your show, Peter. I didn't have a, if you remember, I didn't have a Twitter account before I went on your show. The very first. Well, you did. Didn't you have well, like the two hundred like, yeah, followers? No, or something? I had. I, I showed up the morning of that first interview. I had thirty followers. That's what <laughs> I had. Um, so, the one of the first tweets I ever got after appearing on your show was, um, "quote You look like you got hit in the face with a sock full of shit." Was the first. <laughs> that was my introduction. Welcome to, to, to Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that that was. So you have people like that. And it's really what your motivation is. Do you want um, money for everybody that will um, be a global force um, on a global stage to help people and to change the monetary system? Or do you want to progress, you know, to advance your conservative ideology, ideology and make it so all liberals are poor and like can't participate in the new monetary system? And there's people out there who just want to like squash anything that is, you know. Can I add to that? Yeah. I don't think they just want to make liberals poor. I think what they're doing, if they, if, if, if they do, they're actually also making conservatives poor. Because if they're holding back Bitcoin, they're holding back everyone. And that's, that's yeah. the key point. It's like, how yes. you need to understand this. Money for everyone. As you, I, I yes. couldn't word it as eloquently as you, but this is, this is money for everyone. And you, therefore, you, ha you have to put that before ideology. And, and it's just, it, it's an example of just one uh, first order thinking, right? Like, oh, if, if only the people that agree with me are into Bitcoin, then I'll be rich and powerful. And then everyone else will, everyone I disagree with, they're not realizing they're just holding back adoption to something that actually is useful and, and is going to grow one way or the other. So do you want to, again, you know, do you want to spend time convincing somebody that they're wrong about the climate or that they're wrong about Bitcoin? Because you can teach them that they're wrong about Bitcoin and get them into the tent and, and explain things to them. 
without having to call them names and say, well, you're, you know, a climate hysteric and you're an idiot and you don't understand anything. You don't need to do that. There's a perfectly reasonable argument if you care about the environment to support Bitcoin. And it's, it's laid out in the book. Many other people are making that argument too. You don't need to call names in order to prove your point. Get people, what do you care more about? Do you care more about Bitcoin or the fact that like some people don't agree with you about the environment or something, you know? Like, what do you care more about? How many Twitter followers have you got now? 5,000 something. It's funny, isn't it? 5,500, I just yeah. checked. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, after that interview, did you go read the YouTube comments? I didn't. In fact... Um, Good. Do not and, read and the comments. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to read the YouTube comments. Do not um, read the people, comments. No, I don't read the comments. But people have sent them to, so my students have logged in to watch oh, the, you know, and like, I was like, guys, just so you know, like the YouTube comments, you know, don't read them. And of course they read them and they're like, no, no, actually, Mr. Mayor, these are pretty good comments. Like people are supportive of you. So I haven't read the comments. I think it's interesting. I, for, for the first time recently, I just sit down with my eight-year-old son and explain, like, sometimes people on the internet say bad things about dad. <laughs> um, and, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want you to be upset. I don't want you to think that, you know, any of this is real. And, you know, so it's just trying to, like, set the stage for him because, like, he was... He's going to Google you. He's going to... And, and he... And it's funny because he's, like... He's not so hung up on people saying like I'm an idiot or, you know, a statist or whatever. He doesn't know what that means. But like when people mispronounce our last name, he thinks it's like the huge. Oh, name. I do it because I say Maya. Yeah, you say yeah, it's yeah. Maya. Yeah. And, and, he, and which is fine. But he's like really upset. He's eight years old. Right. But whatever. But like that, it was kind of an interesting moment where I just sit him down and say, look, well, sometimes people are going to say, I look like I got hit in the face with a sack of shit and you need to be okay with that. <laughs> so you've been through all this, haven't you? Yeah. Do you want to come and explain? No, <laughs> You're too tired. Yeah, I kind of had to go through it all, Googling oh, yeah. me and yeah. finding articles or finding comments. And Scarlett's the same. It's, it's interesting because I'm not famous. Like I had actually a pretty insightful student of mine say, tell me like, you don't want to be famous. You want to be famous in your field, like in your specific thing, right? You want to still be able to go to like Starbucks or whatever, but you want to be well known, right? And so the fact that like some people recognize me or that there's some attention or that, you know, I'm, I'm doing an interview, like uh, kids, you have to be quiet. I'm going upstairs to an interview about Bitcoin. Like it's kind of a big deal for him, right? So he's just trying to, I'm just trying to set expectations um, about what it's like to have a somewhat of a public persona about something like that. It's, it's a very weird thing to go through. Um, that's hard to prepare for in a number of ways. Uh, you know, learning to deal with negativity. Yeah. I have to deal with a lot of that. It's not great. Um, learning to deal with saying stupid things and then permanently living on the internet yes. and people bringing them up and screenshotting and yeah. and however many times you say, yeah, I was wrong there. I, you know, I walked that back. It still right. lives with you. That's well, something to live with and then you know the, the the latest trend is in person attacks i had it this week oh is that right yeah, I pretty much had a guy try and start a fight with me in a bar wow yeah it was awful um yeah it's like and it's rare for the online trolling to go into the real world it's happened twice yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah and i can expect that can grow and yeah there's a lot of things that to deal with and i think that's why yeah People who have had fame, they say to people, you don't really want this. No, no. I mean, like, 
I'm just a shitty little Bitcoin podcast. I've got no <laughs> idea what it's like for you know people with real notoriety, right, yeah, yeah, what it's yeah. like to live with. You know, right. whether you're a pop star or a footballer, you're dealing with constant shit. Or right. like all I get mainly is like you're thick or you're fat. Sure. I just get that. But like sure. you know, we know black footballers in the Premier League get a constant barrage of racism online. Exactly, yeah. You know, and, and this I have no idea what it's like to live with, but it makes your world smaller. Yeah. Well, I'll say you've been a great model in terms of just um, being online and admitting if you've made a mistake or that you don't know something or that you're learning. I think that's a great model. Um, I've, I've found, um, and again, I don't get the same attention that you do, so it's not a comparison, but like I, it's I, get, coming. I, I get people who are shitty to me online and I just realize if I ignore them, then they run out of steam, right? It only like even the most persistent people who are just like, can, like every tweet that I send out is just going to write something shitty, right? But that lasts for like a day and a half, two days. And then they run out of steam. They go on to something else. I don't give them any energy and I don't realize like, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. And people who want to engage with me with in good faith, um, happy to have that conversation. Um, it's probably the most common mistake I've made on Twitter is assuming that somebody's engaging with me in good faith when actually they're trying to be shitty and I didn't realize it at first. So yeah. <laughs> you learn that mistake, but I mean, you, you just sort of ignore those people. And I've never had an experience where somebody's um, sort of brought that into the real world. Everybody's been kind and polite, at least uh, on the surface towards me. So, um, you know, that, I can't imagine. I think you're a, you're a really great advert for somebody who wants to do something in Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, I think it's a really good advert. These people are really shitty online who are mm. yelling. I, re, I think always a really good reply from maybe a, a dev is when somebody's really criticizing Bitcoin. And they reply and say, well, go and build something. Yeah. Go and code Bitcoin. Right. Go and change it. Go and, go and create the world you want. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of these things about Bitcoin is once you're in... Mm-hmm. So you're going to do your sabbatical. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm going to imagine, I don't expect you'll, you, you might tell me I'm wrong. I could be completely wrong. It's wrong of me to say this, but I don't imagine you're now going to teach high school for as many years as you maybe would have without <laughs> the book. There may come a time where actually your your role changes, something changes. Yeah. But because it's, it's really alluring to be part of this. You're now at the forefront of one of the most, important technologies of our time. Yes. If we talked about you know, post-industrial revolution, the digital age, it's internet, it's probably internet, Bitcoin, and AI. Right. Probably the three. Yep. We're at the forefront of the change of money. Yeah. And then within your field, the bit you're covering, the the, the you're at the forefront because you've written the book. Mm. You've, you've essentially written uh, the Bitcoin standard of your cohort, which is explaining it to your cohort it's a gift and an honor and for you to have that. And, and so you're, you're going to want to do it more and, and, <laughs> and this is going to grow and it, yeah. you're going to play a very important role. I can't even remember where I started with that bit, but. No, I, well, I mean, we're talking about fame and, and growing and, and so I, Oh yeah. So that I, will grow. Yeah. And, and I think I am, um, and just to be clear, like I don't have any specific intention of like stop, stopping my teaching career, but I am also, fully ready to to take the next, you know, 15 months and put myself in the way of opportunity and to talk to as many people as I possibly can about the book, behind the ideas behind the book, behind Bitcoin itself, 
and just try to educate people because I, I that that's my skill set, right? Like I know some coding, but not enough to like contribute in that way. I can teach people things. Um, I've made a career out of teaching hard, difficult, scary concepts to people, um, and so that was my intention, and that's that's how I I hope to contribute. Sorry, I remember I was going with that. Yeah. I was saying you're a great advert for somebody who is maybe on the edge of this thing and they think I want to do something we get emails all the time it's so like people they'll say oh, we'll work for you for free can I intern for you can can we translate the show there's people who want to do stuff and people yeah. are always asking how they can contribute I mean you're just a great advert you recognize there's a, a missing piece of the education right you said I'm gonna write the book mm -hmm. you dropped us an email you came on yes. the show people became aware of you yeah you sold out your um um, Kickstarter. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I double funded the Kickstarter. What was the original talk? So I, I want to get $7,000. So I thought that I could probably get it typeset and edited for that much. Right. And you got 15,000. Um, and I got, yeah, got close to 15. Wow. So, and that happened. Uh, I mean, you know, again, the huge support from the community that I don't even think I realized the, the hunger for the book that was out there. Um, <laughs> there's people coming out of the woodwork constantly since then saying like, this is the book that I've always wanted. This mm -hmm. is the book I want to hand to my relatives. Um, you know, like you, there's a lot of people out there who don't want to hand the Bitcoin standard to their relatives because there's things in that book that are off-putting. And then there's things that they're going to look up, oh, who wrote this? And they're going to Google some videos and say, oh, I don't want to learn from this guy. Like this guy, this you know, my guy. This, I know, not my guy, right? And that's yeah. fine. Like I'm not, I'm not going to bash anybody for for what they believe or what they're advocating for. But like, if your goal is to to teach people about Bitcoin, then you got to do it in a way that meets them where they are. So you can't, again, you can't convince them that they're wrong about um, seed oils and the environment before you convince them about Bitcoin. What's your priority? Uh, if it's Bitcoin, then you got to give them a resource that they can relate with and feel good about. Well, so you're this great advert. Anyone listening thinks, yeah, I'm going to do something. D Jason did it. I did it. You know, and, Jason and I'll, did it. I'll repeat for the record, I, I wrote you an email. The, the day I stepped down, my term as department chair uh, uh, terminated just five years. Now I'm, I'm no longer the boss of that department. I have more time. I'm going to write my book. I, I think that morning I dropped you an email, you and two other people. You're the only one who got back to me. That email didn't ask you to help the book. It didn't ask you to go on the show. or anything. I just wanted to interview you so I get a quote from the book, right? That, that's all I wanted. Um, and obviously, since then, you've been a huge support for the project and of me. It's been a huge deal. And I thank you. Um, but like that was the moment where I said, why not? Like this guy's got an email address. I'll just drop an email. This is what I'm doing, and this is what I'm trying to do. Um, and it obviously it spoke to you in a way that that resonated. Um, you do understand this is a symbiotic relationship, though. I, 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 well, I it don't, isn't just charitable. I wasn't just like, oh, what a nice guy. I want to help him. Yeah, you, I recognized <laughs> the gap. You filled it. Yeah. I was like, well, we should get you on the show because that's a topic. Yeah, we monetize these shows. I know. Yep. So you can't like the brass facts. You, we monetize these shows. You come on, we sell ads on mm -hmm. them. I'm fully transparent about that. And I also knew that if we did this, you and I would have a very strong relationship from the start. Yeah. If your book, if you deliver on the book, then you're going to be on this show for years to come. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I wanted to support you, but I also recognized it. And, 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 and it means a lot. I'll tell you, because the two other people that ignored me, uh, <coughs> they, you know, they're not as big as you, right? So like, it was, it was like, oh, well, I'll never hear back from Peter, but maybe I'll hear back from this other person, right? And they, they just ghosted me or ignored me. And they have every right to, like, nobody's ever heard of me. But you didn't. And I, and I think you're right. Like, it's symbiotic. It's, it's not by any measure equal. Like, you, like, the book exists because um, you saw a need for it. No, the book exists because you wrote it. The book, the book exists because I wrote it, and people know about the book because of you. But they would have found out anyway. This would have happened anyway, maybe a different time, a different level, but yeah. it did start with that email. Danny and my relationship started with an email. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. My relationship with other people started with, I emailed Jameson Lop and said, can I interview you? Like third one in. Yeah. He did it. Or even before that, I said to Rich Roll, can you teach me how to make a podcast? These, all these yeah, things yeah, just yeah. start with somebody going, putting one foot forward and saying, can you help me? Right. No. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, it really was that moment where it said, all right, if there's a book out there that you'd like to read and it doesn't exist, then you need to write it. Mm. Um, and I've never written a book before. Um, you know, I said, well, all right, I'll, I'll try. I've gotten, like, I've gotten feedback about my right before the book about my writing in two categories that it was like positive feedback. One is that I, I write very efficient and effective work emails. I give details in the way that needs to happen that's productive. Um, and so I get compliments about my work email sometimes. Um, the only other time anybody told me like I was any decent, you know, had any decent skill at writing is when my wife and I, before we're married, we're going out. Uh, and we had like a long distance thing and I would write her like emails and some of those were like amorous and I would describe things and she'd say, you're really good at this. Right. So like that was yeah, like the actual romantic. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I thought I'll try, you know what I mean? Like I, I know how to explain things or I think I do. Um, I care about this quite a lot. Um, hopefully I can speak to people, but the idea to write the book and then to reach out to you, I mean, again, it's just like, if, if you have an idea for something, go out and do it. Like this is, my life has totally changed since, uh, since I made that decision. Um, and it's been a wild ride and I just, you know, I feel like it's been a net positive for Bitcoin and a net positive for me for sure. And anyone listening, if they've got that idea, they could email us. I mean, the emails <laughs> in the show, we, we say email us. Yeah. And we don't care if you've got 30 followers on Twitter or 300,000 yeah. followers on Twitter. I'm proof. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we want Bitcoin <laughs> yeah. to be successful. Um, yes, it's great to talk to Michael Saylor and mm-hmm. hopefully Jack Dorsey one day and get yeah. all those downloads. But at the same time, mm-hmm. the, the strength of this show is a diverse audience and it's important to have new people coming in with new ideas. Uh, the, the, the libertarian Bitcoin group is a smaller part of Bitcoin. I mean, it's probably net more people, but a smaller part. It's yeah. we have Bitcoin will be successful because it will meet people where they're at. And anyone listening, they've got an idea. They can email me and Danny and we will we read every email. We reply to every email. We want to find the yeah. next Jason Mayer and we want to talk to the next Troy Cross. Because you you people are you're so interesting. You're different. You've got a new conversation. So yeah, yeah I'm so glad you wrote me that email and <laughs> I'm <too>. really, really <laughs> not to be a dick, like, but really proud that you, you delivered it. Uh, I was honored when you asked me to write the forward. Yeah. Um, it's not my wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> I think, it, I think the forward is great. It's a highlight of the book and people should buy it just to read the forward. No, it's, it's true. But, did yeah, I tell yeah. you, I use uh, chat GBT for that did as well. You? <laughs> yeah. So I had all my, had all my arguments. Yeah. 
And I had a writer's block, yeah. and I kept delaying. Let's be honest, I kept delaying. Jason asked me, and I was months late on a forward <laughs> of a few hundred words. Even that yeah. last year, otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I, the, at one point, you you said set a deadline, and every day I'm late, I'll send you like point, point, one, Bitcoin. point one Bitcoin. I said, oh, I'll have more. I'll double my Bitcoin stack <laughs> if he does this. Um, I, I think. I mean, in all honesty, the the forward you wrote is great, and it really sets up the argument for the book and the need for the book very well um, because there's there's people still out there who don't understand the the why is why does the book exist right I think that there's a lot of people in the Bitcoin narrative and culture and space right now who uh, are are living with this privilege of being in that dominant culture of saying like well I'm libertarian I'm conservative I think Bitcoin does this this is how I feel about the government and totally willing to talk about all of the politics and the political ramifications of Bitcoin when it suits them and then as soon as I drop this book it's like well how dare you make Bitcoin political it's like wake up like this it's been and uh, it's not I'm perfectly on board with saying Bitcoin itself is a political technology and it transcends politics in a way that it has been defined recently and make the argument in the book. But if you want to reach people, like you need to actually make that connection first and make them feel comfortable so you can get to that point where it transcends because otherwise you're only, what are you transcending? There's people who agree with you already. So it's like, you know, I get this criticism all the time. Like, why are you making Bitcoin political? Well, the culture of, around Bitcoin is already political. And if you don't see that, then that's just because you're sort of in it, in the same culture already. Um, and this is not, if you actually believe in Bitcoin and you understand it, like this is not a threat. This is, this. there's nothing I can do to make Bitcoin worse or break it, right? Like, well, just, well, don't judge it by the cover, the old yeah. cliche. <laughs> if, if you've got a criticism of the book, go and read the content and yeah. and. Get in touch with Jason and say, I disagree with you here. Sure. And, and come and get the arguments, but well, not, yeah, not, the, and, not and, the scope of the book. And I don't um, I don't block people. So if you disagree with me and you don't threaten me, then I'm not going to block you. Um, but I'll, I'll say like... Uh, but blocking uh, is a great strategy for growing I've, your I've, awareness I've and heard. sales. But I'll, I'll say the, <laughs> the, the people, the, there's been a number of people who I think are very well-intentioned and say, well... I'm just going to sort of like bite my tongue. I'll read the book. Like I don't agree with you politically, but I'll, I'll read it. Do you know how many books I've read about Bitcoin where I've had to bite my tongue or like swallow things I disagree with? Like, uh, or read through chapters all about shit that isn't really about Bitcoin, but like you're going to try to make it sound like it's about Bitcoin. You know how many books I've sat through and read and listened to? I've like, sat, you, I've, can, you can do it too. Like if you care about Bitcoin, you'll make it through the book. I promise you. <laughs> like I've sat at dinner with you <laughs> and watched you bite your lip. <laughs> that, di that dinner is infamous uh, around... <laughs> that dinner is infamous. <laughs> yeah. I, say, I think I've, I've managed to, I told my wife and my friends about what happened and uh, I've only told them like a third, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, but anyway, I, I actually, I saw, I don't know if you want to name names. I saw him at the conference and we gave a hug. And He's a great a guy. Normally yeah. you can only repeat about a third of anything Jim Seth says. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's Jim Seth. doesn't mind. Included. Yeah. I told him we were going to be on the show and, and, and again, he, he's sort of like, well, make sure you talk about this. And it's just a, a cheeky way of like, yeah, I, so I get he's that. He's a provocateur. He's, he's a provocateur. And, and I'll tell you, like, it's not 
unfamiliar to me. Like I am in a classroom day in and day out with 16 year old boys who think that they're the most clever person in the world because they found a way to say something that's insulting or offensive and you can't really call them on it because they did it in this really clever way. And I got to say something really offensive to you just now. Like I get that all the time, right? I get that's, that's a 16 year old boy's brain. And that's exactly what some people in the space do like, oh, if I find a way to talk about this issue because you're a liberal and you're progressive in a way that you can't exactly call me out on it because I'm not quite being offensive, then I'm the most clever person in the room right now. It's not new to me. Um, so, and that's what happened at that dinner. And that's what happened, you know, a couple of days ago at the conference too. Well, look, I, that would actually be a fascinating show to make with Jason and Junseth together. The problem is Junseth knows he's just trolling a lot of the time. Like he doesn't yeah, believe everything yeah. he says. He's just yeah. trying to get a reaction. Right, exactly. And, and, and again, that's exactly to the point where like I have um, students in my classroom who don't, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to compare Junseth to a teenager. Like he's a very smart and capable person yeah. who knows a lot about Bitcoin and cares a lot about it. Um, but I've got, I get that a lot already, right? Like yeah. I already get that, like, oh, like I know that the school doesn't allow me to like criticize this kind of thing. So I'm going to do it in a clever way. And it's like, all right, fine. Good for you. But you, you, know, you won that. Junseth does have very solid, intellectual, strong arguments. Yeah. I mean, I could think of a number of people I'd love to pair you up with. I actually think you and American Hoddle would be a great interview. I would like that too. I think because he's, uh, he's to me, one of the smartest, well, you said this first, yeah. one of the smartest Bitcoiners out there. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, he, he created this, this caricature at first, which masked mask that. But I, I'd love to see you sit do well with Safe Deed. I'd, oh, I'd be fascinated God. to watch it. Um, yeah. I, I just think there is... There's a nut, like, there's so many different people I could pair you up with now. So what happened at the conference? Oh, I mean, we, we just saw each other. We, we no, gave, you said another thing at the conference. Oh, uh, a couple with, of days ago. with June Seth. Oh, it was just June yeah, Seth. Yeah, yeah ah. just June Seth, right. And, and he was just being himself and I was being myself and I'm not looking to have conflict. And he was trying to egg me on a little bit. Like, oh, make sure when you go on Peter's show, you mention this. And I was like, ah, oh, funny. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> did, you speak, did you speak at the conference? Uh, I spoke on the news desk, so I was okay. up, uh, sort of, you know, at, like in between shows, but I wasn't on the stage. Maybe next year. This show is brought to you by Unchained. Now, events at exchanges and traditional banks over the last year have been an important reminder of how critical it is for you to take control of your private keys. But listen, I know for some of you, this can be daunting, which is why our friends at Unchained offer a personalized concierge onboarding service. Now, I've personally been through the process and have now set up the vaults for my football team, Rail Bedford. And okay, I've got a personal recommendation here. The multi-sig solution which Unchained have created is so easy to use. They also ship you the required devices and walk you through this step by step so you understand exactly how the vaults work. After you set up, Unchained continues to provide you with regular support to help you get comfortable with controlling your keys. Now, if you've been putting off taking control of your Bitcoin wealth, Unchained's concierge onboarding is a simple way to get started. So book your onboarding today at unchained.com forward slash what Bitcoin did, which is U-N-C-H-A-I-N-E-D.com forward slash what Bitcoin did. And at the checkout, you can get $50 off with the promo code what Bitcoin did. Next up today, we have Wasabi who I am using to keep my Bitcoin private. Now, Wasabi is the easiest way for you to send and receive Bitcoin privately. And even for non-technical people like me, it is effortless and it provides privacy by default. With Wasabi, there is no minimum amount, so you can start coin joining straight away. 
and Wasabi users make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay and Trezor users, and BTC Pay server users can make payments in CoinJoin, which saves on fees and is a privacy improvement. Also, Wasabi have just dropped a new feature. Now Trezor Suite users can make coin joins directly on the hardware wallet, which is obviously very cool. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to wasabiwallet.io, which is W-A-S-A-B-I-W-A-L-L-E-T.io. Also today, we have BitCasino. Now, BitCasino was established in 2013 and is the world's first licensed Bitcoin casino. It is trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide, and they not only have cutting-edge security, but they offer fast withdrawals and VIP experiences that money can't buy. BitCasino also has over 2,800 games and tournaments for you to try out. And with their 24-7 live chat support, you can always get help if needed. Now, if you want to find out more about BitCasino, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award, head over to bitcasino.io, which is B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O dot I-O. And please remember to gamble responsibly. Okay, so you released the book. Yeah. Went number one in digital currencies. It did, yes. Broadly, how did it do as well? I think, um, I, you know, it's hard for me to say, right? The book is published by Bitcoin Magazine. They, I mean, they did a great job with it. Um, and I get quarterly reports, you know, like, so every quarter I'll get to know how many books sold and I'll get my check uh, for the books. Like, I'm not... I think it's doing very well in the sense that, um, you know, for David Bailey the other day, oh, you're selling more books than Gladstein. You know that, right? I was like, I didn't know that. And you don't need to make it a big deal. That's probably not true anymore. But um, it's it's doing well enough. I think that it's gotten a lot of uh, traction, at least on my scale. It's gotten traction on Twitter. People are reading the book, putting, saying nice things about it. Um, so certainly, uh, I, I think the the publisher is happy because they're going to make their money back, no problem. And I'm happy because the book is in a lot of people's hands. And, and do you know if it's got in the hands of any politicians who've actually read it? Not that I know of. So we, I, I do have um, an event in Washington, D.C. next month where I'm going to go um, to Capitol Hill with the Satoshi Action Fund. And I'm going to actually deliver books to House of Representatives. Uh, person to person, just me handing the book to them, um, or maybe their staff, depending on on the person. Um, the the book is also going to get mailed to every Democratic senator um, in uh, in the U.S. Senate. That was part of the Kickstarter project. So the the book will get to politicians. Um, I think that it's it's a very good book uh, to let them know what's on the horizon. I don't think that these Democratic politicians understand that like this is going to be the next thing. You're not just going to be able to bash Bitcoin to get votes. Like you actually have to understand it, and some of your voters are going to like it. Um, they don't know that yet. What I, about their staffers? Because what yeah. I'm starting to understand now is they they're the yeah. influential people. Do you right. know them all? Are you getting copies to them? Um, I. Think think that the through through the Satoshi Action Fund, like they they are in very close connection with staffers and they they kind of know the deal. Like I'm not a political operative in any way. So like I'm gonna try to leverage the connections I have to get the book into people's hands. For sure, getting this this book into a hand of a staffer is almost more important than the actual yeah. politician, right? Like because that's the person who's making decisions, the filter to the politician. Um and so, you know, it's a it's a long game, right? Like and try to orange pill the voters, try to orange pill the staffers, try to get the politicians making good decisions, try to get the politicians understanding what the hell they're talking about. All of that takes time. So, I mean, big shout out to Dennis Porter. He's actually yes. doing a great job. I he think really he's is. found his niche. 
Um, and uh, he's good at it. Yeah, uh, he, you know, it's been interesting <laughs> watch him find his niche. I think yeah. he's found it, and yeah, he's had a great impact. Yeah. Again, yes. big shout out to Dennis for that. Is there anything we can do to help? Can I we think, donate books? Uh, yeah, so there's there's actually a geyser fund for that particular project, right? So if you, uh, well, if you, we'll you are, and uh, it's a fun, geyser fund slash progressive, something like that. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, you have it in the show notes. But how uh, much is there a target raise? So the target, I don't. The target is to get as many copies as possible purchased for members of the house. So um, I think there's probably 2 million sats uh, who that been have donated so far, but that's, that trip is at the end of June. So I'm flying down to Washington, DC. It's like the day after my son's birthday, going to fly that morning, just be there um, to just hopefully orange pill some politicians and, and hand the book out. Any donation given will, will go directly to buying a book for a politician. So that's, that's one thing that, that people can do to help. Well, we'll, we'll make a donation. Mm-hmm. What's, two, what's 2 million sats? That's, it's not um, a lot. It's, like, it's not enough because um, yeah, there's a like lot of six hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's a nice start, uh, but it, you know uh, if we want to get books into more people's hands, then all the support. Well, would, we'll, we'll give some more. We will. Um, yeah. Well, I was definitely one day late on the things. So I owe you point one, but we'll put ten million sats in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it. We'll, look, we'll do it. Remind me at the end of the show. We'll, we'll make a donation. Right. Anyone listening, make a donation. This, is, yes. this suits everyone. This is good for everyone. Yeah. Okay. Um, feedback. Yeah. Good, bad, ugly. Um, and, and, and any negative feedback where you were like, oh, actually, that's a good point. It's a good question. Um, I have. Uh, no, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on Twitter, um, it's funny. Like I've, I've proceeded to talk about the book and the ideas behind the book uh, quite a lot. I'm just trying to, again, the Twitter, and, and I really mean that the Twitter account exists because the book exists. Like I wouldn't be on social media otherwise. Um, and so I don't think I've ever tweeted anything that wasn't specifically about Bitcoin. But people have been, I mean, honestly, in general, before even before the book came out, I was maybe expecting much more sort of vitriol and hatred pointed at me. And to my surprise, it's been like nine to one. Like I think 90% of people are supportive right. or respectful and only 10% are not. Since the book has come out, um, there has been there has not been a person to reach out to me who's disagreed with something in the book, or you know maybe just people haven't read it or critics haven't read it um, who are critical of my ideas. Um, but nobody's reached out. I mean, literally one person reached out and was like, "Hey, just want to let you know, like on page whatever, there's a little typo." And I was like, "Great, I'll fix that." You know, but it was like literally no no arguments to say, "Hey, what you said here is wrong," or "I disagree with you." Um, and and again, like if you're into Bitcoin, even if you're not a progressive, like you can get through the book. Like it's not going to ruin you. Like I've read a lot of books that I don't agree with politically um, to learn more about Bitcoin. And if you have somebody in your life that you care about who considers themselves a liberal or a progressive, and you want them to be orange pilled, like it's good for you to read the book, like talk to them in a way that resonates with them. And if you don't have anybody in your life that you want an orange pill, that's liberal or progressive, you need more friends. Like that's it. (laughs) Go meet people. Yeah. Yeah. So the the feedback has been really positive. Um, and, and people are saying things that, um, that speak to the purpose behind the book, right? Which is to orange pill people that they love and care about. So you say, I, this book is great because it's the first book that I feel comfortable handing to people like, or you explain things very clearly and you make it accessible. Like those are things that speak to me because that's exactly why I wrote the book. Um, and that's been great. 
Um, in real life, people have been very supportive, like the, my colleagues and people that I know um, in real life. Um, there's been a large contingent who are just interested, like I didn't know this about Bitcoin, teach me more. And then there's a contingent of people in my real, you know, in my real world that are smugly dismissive. Um, they just look at me and as if they know everything and just like, oh, well, you're, you're wasting your time. Okay, you get used to that. I, I've been realizing that those people are gonna have to learn about Bitcoin eventually. And they're gonna, there's gonna be a moment where they realize, oh, shit, like I had Jason in my life and I could, I could have asked him some questions in an intellectually honest way instead of being smug and dismissive. And they're gonna come back to me possibly I'm still around. Um, and it's going to be a real test to see if I can <laughs> respond with love and care because I want you to. You will. I will. Um, but, you know, you know you're you get a really, loving, <laughs> caring guy. Come on. I try to be. Try you are. Be. Yeah. Have, have you got examples of people you fully shifted? They were dismissive. They read it and went, I get it now. Yeah, I've, I've gotten a lot of people who have been open to the idea and then read the book and be like, all right, well, I get it now. Like, this is bigger than what I thought. This wasn't, this isn't just sort of an investment to make more dollars. I get the social impact. I get the, the reason why money is broken and, and I want to learn more. I've gotten people who, um, who maybe not like against Bitcoin yet and have totally changed their mind, but a large number of people who just didn't know the first thing about Bitcoin and who just like thought that it was this, you know, magic internet money and it was fake and it was just copy and paste and it doesn't, it's not worth anything. And I've just been able to reach a large number of those people by explaining both Bitcoin and the legacy financial system. It's a theme throughout the book, right? Like you can't learn about Bitcoin without learning about the legacy financial system. And when you when you do that, you get a lot of people who um, start realizing, oh, this is why I kind of feel things are broken or things are unfair or that like the world is set up to enrich certain people and not others. And it's a completely different lens than what the politicians give you and what the media gives you. It's just a new lens to look at it. And people have been really receptive to that. They already feel that that the system's broken, but they yep. can't. They don't have a vocabulary for it yet. Yeah, and and that's been really great to see them sort of gain that conviction and that vocabulary to talk about the problem. And what about yourself? Um, have you found you've changed any way? Maybe been become also the other way, a bit more receptive to conservatives, a bit more tolerant, a bit more. I'm not sure the, 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 the correct question, but do you see where I'm going? Yeah, I, th I get, I, a lot of people ask me that, right? Like, well, it, like you started out progressive and now you learned about Bitcoin and you're not progressive anymore, right? And well, no. Oh, no, I don't mean <laughs> no, that. No, I, no, I know. But, but, but sometimes- Other people do mean that, but- No, um, I think yeah. what it is, is like, for example, uh, I was definitely, uh, I, was, I definitely wasn't a conservative child. <laughs> Sure, sure. Even though my dad was, right? Sure, yeah. I, I think it's hard to be a conservative child yeah, uh, yeah, because you see the world with empathy and joy and happiness and you you want fairness and then you learn how the world works and, and yeah. delivering fairness isn't exactly how you think it should be. Yes. But um, but I would, I would say there's definitely conservative ideas I've become more... Become, become more empathetic to through coming into Bitcoin. Yeah. Things I hadn't thought about before, right. but, you know, like understanding, a perfect, perfectly good one is the understanding of the welfare state. Yeah. yeah. Its role and where it can, you know, what good it can deliver and where it can also, yeah. what negatives it can cause. That's, that's just yeah. an example. So, I mean, my, 
to the extent my views have changed, I think that I have become probably a little bit more skeptical of politics and the political establishment than I was when yep. I started the journey. Um, I still, I, I think when it's fair to say when I started, um, say, all right, well, there's politicians that I agree with and politicians I don't agree with. And if we get the right person in charge, then like good things will happen. And I think through my journey of Bitcoin, I've realized like I'm, I'm less faithful to that idea. Yeah. Um, I think that the incentives don't match up for either side of the political aisle to do the right thing. Um, I think that there's people who are very good at talking to both sides and, and telling them what they want to hear. And I think that I've been, I am probably more open to hearing conservative arguments about a variety of issues and thinking about them in a more nuanced way than I was before. I think I've been a little bit more able to, to, to take apart what you get, you know, just sort of mainstream liberal media um, sends you a message. And then I've been able to sort of see that in like another dimension. All right. Well, that, that is maybe I agree with that and it feels good because I'm hearing something I agree with, but there's actually a, a depth to it and a, and a nuance that I can appreciate that not everybody agrees with what this was just told to me. Um, so I think that, and that's important, right? Because you wanna have a conversation with somebody you don't agree with, like that's not happening now. Like I'm not having um, conversations with in my life day to day with, with people I don't agree with, but like by discovering Bitcoin, I can see like the arguments, even if I don't have to agree with them, I can say, well, this makes sense. And I understand why you would say that. There's a lot of, of, a lot of things about the welfare state or the political establishment right now that exists because of the fiat money system, right? Like there are band-aids put on top of an unfair and unjust system to try to make it look a little bit more fair or to try to ease the suffering of people who have been like mistreated or like financially abused by the system. Like, I don't, I don't think we can snap our fingers and say, well, the right thing to do is just to get rid of all of that because it's based off of a faulty system in the first place. So you have to get a new system in place you have to move towards a new system and you can't just dismantle all of the safety nets and all of the welfare state that exists now because those are in place for a reason. And, and that reason is mostly fiat money is just like ruining the, the social dynamic of money and, and all of that. So my much more nuanced views about lots of things, I've not become necessarily more conservative. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> but I think, I think that's a fair, fair way of explaining it. Uh, yeah. Understanding the, incentives of the uh this political industrial complex <laughs> no it, and it, and it's true and and i'll get people um who interview me about bitcoin who are conservative and i'll and i'll make that point well like you know democratic politicians are just saying this because they know it's going to resonate with certain people and they're not giving you the whole story and they think oh it's great the same thing is happening on the other side, right? Like it's, it's happening all over. So I think that it's just sort of transcends this political, you know, I had a conversation with my wife the other day. We, and, and I'll just say my wife is the smartest, most capable person I know. She's also way more liberal even than I am. And we watched this documentary the other day in which like the police and government had sort of misused their power to arrest somebody um, in, in this documentary. And we, we ended it and she, that's, that's like horrible that they, they would abuse their power and break the rules to arrest this person. Um, and, and we got into a conversation and, and through that conversation, you sound like a Bitcoiner. <laughs> I mean, like, you sound like somebody, and, and she's like way even more left than I am in, in a lot of ways. Right. And, and she had this epiphany. It was like, you know, like, yeah, like 
there is common ground here and there's people who are incentivized to like keep us fighting. And so even though she wouldn't agree with necessarily with like, you know, Republican politicians or like the conservative movement on lots of things, there is moments where there can be overlap if you can get past that narrative piece, right? It was a, a beautiful moment for me for her to say like, the people in power are incentivized to keep us fighting with each other instead of seeing our common ground. Like that's, that's the power that Bitcoin has. We just have to get the book into people's hands, have to get them orange pilled. So then, then they can transcend. They're not going to transcend first. They have to understand Bitcoin first. Well, well, this is why I think a lot of people hope that Bitcoin will, excuse me, will bridge that political divide. Yeah. Uh, I think I think most of us see what's going on now. Balaji put out a great tweet recently. But I can't remember the dates on it, but it was blue dots of red dots. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then now it's just com- completely separated. Se- separate. Yeah. But when when we talk about money, the issues of money mm-hmm. affect everyone. It is apolitical. Yes. Inflation affects every single yeah. person the same. Um, yeah, recessions affect everyone. They it, do, and they affect some people more than others, right? Yeah, like, but we're all affected. Yeah, and so it is the place we can all meet and agree yes. that we all benefit from a better financial system. Every single one of us. Yeah. So that can that could be the start of of bringing people back together. Absolutely, and and I found just in general, if you want to learn about money and understand money, stop listening to economics, like economists, uh, start listening to philosophers and sociologists, like talk to people who study how we think and study, you know, like talk to people who study society because that's where money is and that's how it works. Um, and the, the more you can learn about like, money and the monetary history and, and how it works and how it's supposed to work compared to what, how it's working now, the better off everyone will be. And it is a common ground. There's nothing political about it uh, to have money that works. So you can transact in a way that's free and fair and, uh, and transparent in the, in the way that uh, how money is created. None of that is inherently political or needs to be fought about. Like that is a common ground. Oh, and I think I think that's why it's been a good time for Troy and Andrew Bailey and yes. you know these philosophers coming to Bitcoin. Yeah, I think the libertarian arguments for Bitcoin suited it at the time. Yes, you know, for the four to eight years ago, and I think right now this arrival of yourself and other progressives, mm-hmm. I think the arrival of the philosophers, I think the arrival of the macroeconomists is that's a reflection on yeah how much Bitcoin has permeated different parts of the world, society, culture, and and we need these this growing body of conversation and nuance. Uh, yeah, uh, let's have a, let's have competition of ideas. Let's talk about what Bitcoin is, how how it affects people. Let's not just pigeonhole it. I mean, the goal is in a hundred years they're not called Bitcoiners; they're just called people, right? That's the goal. And if that's not your goal, then like then I'm sorry, then we're not on the same and we're not working for the same thing. Like my goal is in a hundred years, it's just people. And everyone's using it in one way or the other, um, and, and and that's philosophers and economists and libertarians and Democrats and Republicans and and everybody else. So um, that's what I'm hoping. I think that um, you know I wrote this book thinking that uh, you know one day it's not going to be needed anymore. If it's successful, then it, then we don't need the progressive case for Bitcoin anymore because it's just seen as a neutral money that anybody can get into. You know. 
people, this is for like the class of 2024, 2028. Uh, it's not for the class of 2030, you know, 2032. Like people aren't going to need it anymore if it's successful. So that's the hope. Well, because the robots will have taken over as well. Maybe. <laughs> we'll all be dead. I'll have to write a new book, you know, like, I'll, all right, well, now we, we need a new argument. But like, if the book is successful, then it's not needed in the future because we don't need a progressive case for Bitcoin in a perfect world. People feel comfortable learning and understanding and welcomed into a community with, without having uh, needing this resource. So that's the goal. Um, and in the meantime, buy it and give it to people so we can get to that point. It'll be the robots case for Bitcoin. <laughs> they, they'll they'll know, right? The, like, know. There's no there's no world in which AI is taken over that they're, they're not using Bitcoin. Obviously, <laughs> do you think you've got another book in you? Um, yeah, so I am uh, like I'm on sabbatical to promote the book and to educate people about Bitcoin. Um, uh oh, I've here I've, we go. I promised I've I promised my family that I wouldn't write a book for one year. So I'm not against the idea of writing another book. I think that there's potential for a more like a political conversation too, which I'm happy to engage with. There's room for actual curriculum that can be written that I would like to be part of. I think there's lots of potential for, for more projects. So. I think an apolitical book mm -hmm. framed as this is apolitical, yeah. framed as this is money for everyone would be a fantastic book. Yeah. And, and you know, again, like I, I did not get into writing the book because I was this offended, like snowflake progressive. It was because I was a teacher and I knew that people weren't going to learn otherwise certain people weren't going to learn otherwise. So the, my goal has been, what is the pedagogy of this? How do you teach people about Bitcoin? That's how, how you, do you reach it. them. You know, me and Danny both looked at your email. We're like, what does, what's that word? <laughs> yeah, well, it's the, it's the pedagogy is how you teach somebody something. Uh -huh. Right. And the, the goal of the book is to teach somebody a, a complicated, difficult concept that's scary to them in a way that's comfortable and gets them on board with wanting to learn more. Uh, if you're, if you're a teacher who cares about something like that, then th this is what you want to do. You want to get them hooked. You want to get the student interested, asking questions, continuing their journey um, in, in a way that's very welcoming and not scary. So the pedagogy, I mean, that's that's the primary thing. It's not about the progressive case. I mean, that's very important and very useful and important right now. But it's about the pedagogy. How do you teach people about something that's um, difficult and scary and important to them? They need to learn it. Well, listen, again, I don't ever want this to sound condescending in any way at all, but I'm just so proud to have seen you do this and watch it and just watch this journey you've gone on. It's, it is brilliant. And again, I say it's an advert to anyone listening. If you're listening thinking, I want to do it, just do it. Just start. Put one foot in front of the other. Right. You know, one day, Jason opened up a Google Doc and started something. Yes. One day I went on Amazon and bought some microphones. You know, <laughs> one day Danny dropped an email. One day Connor came to me and we had a conversation about university. And, yeah. and you put that first foot forward and you keep going. And if yeah. you're listening, you want to do something, we will help. Reach out. If we, yeah. we like the idea, we'll support you. Um, anything I've not asked you about that you wish I had? Any part of this you wanted to explain? No. I mean, well, I think that the obviously the, the book is it's a passion project. It's something I care very much about. The intention is for people to buy it for themselves and for people that they love. If you have people in your life that you love and you want to orange pill and you think this book is good for them, then, then I hope it serves that purpose. Um, and then you can, the, the website for the book is bitcoinprogressive.com. So you can, you can buy it either through Amazon or Bitcoin magazine. Um, and I think that 
the the real hope is that we just reach a new audience, right? The the marketable like target audience here is huge. There's a lot of people who consider themselves left of center, who know nothing about Bitcoin, and who will be open to learning if they're presented with an argument that makes sense to them. So we're talking about an absolutely huge population of people who can get orange pilled. Uh, through conversations that that you're having with people and by reading the book and looking at other resources. So I'm, I'm very optimistic about the future and, and about how we can actually start educating people about Bitcoin. Audiobook? Audio, yeah, so great. Uh, the ebook is coming out this summer. Audiobook should be released in the fall. Are um, you reading it? No. <laughs> I'm going to have a professional read it. I don't like my voice. Um, Nobody but, likes that voice. Yeah, no, I know. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they're going to, like, Bitcoin Magazine, who published the book, is taking it very seriously. They're going to have it professionally done. They're going to be a nice audiobook available for people in the fall. Uh, that's how I consume most of my Bitcoin learning uh, with headphones on. Doing I want it to be Guy Swan. <laughs> yeah, well, it might be. I, I think that they're they're working on uh, on a way that makes it work within their time frame because they want to get it out. Um, and I think Guy, from what I understand, Guy is backlogged. He's got a lot of work to do, which is good. I saw problem. him. I saw him at the conference. I said, "You're the official voice of Bitcoin." Of course, yeah. you're, the, you're the official narrator of Bitcoin. Yeah. I think that I think that they got somebody else who I who I think is really good choice. I won't like divulge who, but I'm. I'll, I think if that person agrees to do it, I'll be very happy. So, yeah. well, listen, we're here for you. Anything you need. Hopefully, you don't get too big that you uh, won't come on our show in the future. Yeah, it's uh, not going to happen. <laughs> but we, we we will support everything you're doing. Stay yeah. in touch. Honestly, I'm so happy for you. And yeah. thank you for asking me to write the forward. That was a real well, honor. Well, thank you for doing it. And and thank Finally. you for all your support. That's and thank, great. thank you, ChatGBT, for helping me do it. <laughs> no, sorry, I didn't even finish that thing. So what happened was yeah, I just yeah, had yeah. to block. I was like, how do I structure this? So I put in ChatGPT. Chat I said, help me write a forward for a book. These are my arguments yeah. put into a structure. And so we obviously spat something out. Yeah. So I copy and pasted that out and then rewrote it based on the sure, structure. Sure. But it was that kickstart and yeah. it gave me the structure. And, yeah. I, you know, a super useful one. I, I barely write any long piece these yeah. days without using ChatGPT to get a I use ChatGPT and Grammarly. They're yeah, my two yeah. tools. I, I use a calculator sometimes to do arithmetic. You know, it's there fine. It's fine. Yeah. ChatGPT is a. Uh, uh, a language calculator. That's it. Yeah. All right. Just helps you get started. All right, man. Well done. Stay in touch. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I don't know when I'll see you next. Are you going to pack Bitcoin? Um, no. What? Pacific Bitcoin? No. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I'm actually trying to. Yeah. I think my wife and I would like to get out there. So oh, yeah. I, would, you'd be great. I would absolutely love to do that. I think there, there's an audience for the message out there. So I mean, it's uh, LA. Yeah, I just got to get people, like, some people don't reply to my emails, you know, so that's... Uh, yeah, but then come to us. Tell us what help you need. All right, I will. I will. All right, man. Awesome. Listen, keep doing this. Thank you. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, this is all so cool. All right. Thank you, too. Okay, what do you make of that? Do you enjoy that? I like Jason. I like what he's doing. I'm super proud of him. Yeah, he reached out and said he was going to make this book. And do you know what he did? He did the work. He went out, wrote the book. It's been very successful. It's been well-received. And look... Even if you aren't progressive, even if you're a staunch conservative or you're a libertarian, look, this is an important book for you because there are people out there, there are progressives who are against Bitcoin. And for them to have someone like Jason talking to them in a the language they understand, explaining why Bitcoin is good for progressives, it's only good for Bitcoin. So hopefully you get a chance to go and check that out. If you do want to get in touch about this or anything else, you can drop me an email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, as I mentioned, we're going to be heading out to Australia in September going to be heading to Sydney. I cannot wait. I've never been down under. A bit worried about the spiders and the snakes. A little bit worried, but 
I think I'll deal with it. Anyway, we've got a live event, September the 9th. Don't know where yet. We've got to book a venue. But if you want to get a ticket to that, head over to whatbitcoindid.com and click on WBD Live. All right, have a great week, and I'll see you all on Wednesday.